Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What a festive cheer. What a, what a powerful cry. Words that, well, words that actually probably sound a little weird <laughs> to us. Words that we probably don't normally use in our everyday language, but seem to fit so well on Palm Sunday. You heard these words said already in our call to worship and in our opening sentences. I hear them said again by the crowds in our scripture reading. But I invite you right now to, to grab your palms, hoist them up, and, and say it together with me. All right, let's do this. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You too, folks at home, uh, I want to hear you as well. Let's do it again. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One more time, like you really mean it. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This was the cry. The cry of those gathered in Jerusalem. Uh, They were gathered there in Jerusalem for the Passover. And the Passover was a really big deal. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, who lived in the first century, he numbered the attendees at the the Passover in Jerusalem in the millions. In the millions. Can you imagine that? I mean, even if we, uh, you know, make room for some exaggeration on Josephus' part, just try to imagine even 500,000 people gathered in the city. Go ahead, take a minute, close your eyes, close your eyes, see the ancient city walls and the weathered rock of the the city gate. Imagine the horde of people, thousands upon thousands, gathered in the dusty desert, sprinkled with palm trees, the, the brightness and life of their green branches against a backdrop of sand and stone. And hear the multitude. Hear them cry out as they make room for Jesus. Crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Okay, you can open up your eyes now. (laughs) This was a royal procession. A kingly welcome, the kind of parade... That a, that a city would hold for a king after he returned back victorious from battle, having defeated his enemies and ushering in an era of peace. Honestly, things haven't changed a whole lot since Jesus' time. A similar parade was held on January 12, 1946, in New York City, as we welcomed back the U.S. military from World War II. Now, palm branches didn't line the parade route, but flags did. And people came in drove, in, in mass, to get a glimpse of the parade. They even gathered on rooftops. Ticker tape and confetti rained down across the city like, like 
gentle snow falling. And you could hear the shouts of thanksgiving and praise as the procession went by, the line of cars holding esteemed guests drove by. One look, and you can tell this is a victory parade. And that's what our text was all about. The text that we heard where where this large crowd had come out to, to see Jesus as He made His entry into Jerusalem. Not that Jesus had already conquered all of His enemies, but the people expected Him to. He was the long-expected Messiah, the King, the, the one that our study of Daniel, all those weeks we spent in Daniel, were pointing us forward to. As Daniel saw in his night visions, behold, there came one like a son of man, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Jesus was the King He was the king that the the prophet Zechariah prophesied about after the people came home from Babylon and were living in Jerusalem, but were still under foreign oppression. The prophet Zechariah is the one we heard in our text for today, saying, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming. And now the king was here. And so the people rang out their shouts of Hosanna, these shouts of thanksgiving and praise. Hosanna. You heard it explained for you already. I'm so glad Pastor Aaron did that because before this service, I don't know if I knew what the word Hosanna meant, but it literally means save us. Save us, please. Or save us now. People shouting, save us. Save us from our enemies. You see, things hadn't changed a whole lot for the Jews since the time of Daniel and Zechariah. They were still living under foreign occupation. This time around, it was the Romans. Soldiers scoured the city. And the people hoped that Jesus would bring back the glory days of Israel in the time of King David. They were hoping they would be free and protected from any future oppression. But who who were Jesus' enemies? You could consider the Romans his enemies. They did nail him to the cross after all. But the list of enemies only begins with the Romans. A greater enemy turns out to be his own people, the Pharisees, the chief priests. We heard them arguing at the end of our text, saying to each other, look, you're gaining nothing. See, the whole world is going out after him. They were frustrated because of their attempts to frustrate Jesus And his ministry over the last three years had fallen flat. Every time they tried to trick or trap Jesus, he found some clever way around them. But they would concentrate their efforts this week. 
They'll infiltrate Jesus' inner circle, getting Judas to betray Jesus. They'll arrest him, falsely accuse him, and condemn him to death. They'll get the crowd to yell, crucify him, instead of Hosanna. They'll get the Romans to execute Jesus. Some of Jesus' enemies are his own people. But we still haven't gone far enough. Jesus' enemies are not just his own people. An even greater enemy is what's behind, what's driving the Pharisees and the chief priests to do what they're doing. Anger. They're angry that Jesus is letting the people worship him instead of God alone. Fear. They're afraid that they're going to lose this position of power that they have because of Jesus. Jealousy. The people are following Jesus and not them. Greed. Jesus attacks their money-making schemes in the temple. Hatred. Because Jesus was telling them that they needed to change their lives and follow Him. And that brings it all a little closer to home, doesn't it? Anger, fear, jealousy, greed, hatred. These things come from within all of us. We call it sin. And we know it as the dark places in our hearts and in our minds. We see it in the world around us. We're celebrating Palm Sunday today in the wake of two shootings in our country. Eight people dead at a spa in Atlanta. Another ten gunned down at a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado. It's sin. We see it in the world and we see it in ourselves. The anger that wells up in us when our kids just won't listen to a single thing we're trying to tell them. We see the jealousy underneath the surface when that that guy or that girl that we really, really like falls for somebody else. The hatred that boils deep below the surface against those who have hurt us in the past or against those who we perceive as as tearing down our country, those people we'd really like to place all the blame on for the problems that we experience in our life. It's sin. We see it in the world and we can't help but be infected by it ourselves. A whole demonic world led by Satan tempts every one of us into falling for these ugly enemies of Jesus. And so we're right to cry, Hosanna! Save us, Lord! We see evil in the world around us. Hosanna! Save us! We see this evil in ourselves. Hosanna, save us, please. 
but we still haven't gone far enough. There remains one more enemy yet to be named, our last and greatest enemy, death itself. The the punishment for anger and jealousy and hatred and everything else that led Jesus to ride that donkey into Jerusalem. No one can escape this enemy. It's the fate of us all, whether by COVID or by cancer or by car accident or by simply the the close of our days coming one day at a time. Do you see who the real enemies are? It's not just a few Roman soldiers or, or some religious leaders back then. Jesus is going up against the very enemies that haunt us. He's going to battle against the dark places in our hearts and in our minds. He's taking on our worst enemies, sin, the wretchedness that we see in our world, and Satan himself. His war will ultimately be against our greatest enemy, death and the grave. And Jesus would ride that donkey, ride into the worst of what his enemies, our enemies, could do to him. Blood would be shed, but not the blood of the Romans or of the chief priests or the Pharisees or the people who yelled, crucify him, but Jesus' blood. He wouldn't resort to violence, but he would be manhandled and whipped within an inch of his life. Jesus rode into Jerusalem seeking peace. But his enemies, our enemies, attacked him. He rode into Jerusalem for one purpose. To make this victory parade come true. But how did Jesus gain the victory? He let his enemies do their worst to him. He didn't stop the violence done to him. He he willingly went to the cross. In all of our anger, jealousy, hatred, sin, evil, and death, it surrounded him. And when darkness went over the face of the earth, it looked like they had won. It looked like Jesus had been defeated. He was beaten, battered, bloodied, and buried. Satan and all the powers of evil must have been cheering. They must have been celebrating. They thought they had won. But you know better. You know what happened next. You know of a morning that shattered all of the darkest places of sin and evil. You know of a stone rolled away and of the anger, jealousy, and hatred that was overcome by the Prince of Peace. You know a Savior who rises from the dead to defeat death once and for all. 
And then the disciples knew. Then they understood that Jesus' victory was bigger than pushing back a few Roman soldiers or some threatened religious leaders. His victory was over everything that sin and death could ever throw at us. And it came by riding a donkey into Jerusalem. It came by way of a cross. It came through His victorious resurrection from the dead. And the victory parade, well, that's been going on ever since. Every hymn and song that we sing adds to the, to the celebration. Every prayer that we raise increases the volume and the noise of the parade. When we follow Jesus in faith and in obedience, we join those who followed Him, the crowds on that first Palm Sunday. When we live out lives of, of love and devotion, it's like those palms being waved one more time. Continuing this parade into an eternity with Jesus, the one who has heard our cheers and our cries. So let this be our call, not only today, but every day. And let us raise it one more time. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in faith in Christ Jesus.